Ladies and gentlemen, happy Easter, Payne County. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling death by death, and pulling in the tomb, bestowing oh, life. What a joy. We, uh, we've been, you know, we've been, as I like to say, experiencing the lentiest Lent ever with uh, this coronavirus pandemic. And now Easter season is upon us. I'm Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier. I'm joined by Father my, Carrie, what? my co-host. Oh, a co-host? My friend. Does that mean, does that mean co-host like you're in charge and no. I'm, I'm the, like the that, sidekick? Co. Oh, co-hosts. Co. Yeah, I'm the color commentary. There's a you're host the... and then there's another host. And then we're co-hosts. We, if I would say... I am the I'm the host and this is my assistant host. <laughs> but we're not saying that. Oh, there's a pilot and a co-pilot. But there's not two co-pilots. We are co-pilots. Oh. Yeah. This is not president vice president. This is Oh. Or I could say first among equals. First among equals. No. Uh, okay, well, uh, Father Kerry Wakulich, pastor still of St. John Catholic <laughs> Student. He's a Center. pastor with no people. Oh, uh, well, I- but you are staying unbelievably 30, busy. I have, there's 36 students I, at Dom. I want to say this publicly that go on, go on. I, it is unbelievable. When this all first started, I thought, how is what is Father Kerry going to do all day? Like no people around. Everybody's home. But you have like been killing it. Eight forty-five morning prayer. Yeah, nine o'clock you got mass. The online we mass. Video. You got the videos going. You shoot videos before but that. But then you're like on the phone with students all the time. Yeah. So every Thursday, I have spiritual direction with students from ten a.m. to two thirty in the killing afternoon, it. and just okay, let's do business. We have two hundred students in Bible studies right now online. Yeah. No, you're FaceTime, killing Facetime, Google Hangout. Uh, I almost said Yelp, but that's not one of them. MySpace. Uh, Zoom, Zoom, MySpace. <laughs> oh, MySpace, MySpace tried to have a comeback a few years ago, and it, it couldn't no, handle no it. Go. Yeah, so we're just slaying it. Yeah, just anyway, I just, I just admire well, your, you know what? your zeal. This is, I think this you is what happens. You are zealous. This is, you know, like they say, iron sharpens iron. So we... Proverbs. Yeah. Uh, also, St. Paul, isn't that? Isn't that some I same? think it's in Proverbs. Oh, really? Okay, keep talking. I'm, calling, I'll look I'm that up. call you out. Scripture go down. Okay, so I I just think it's really beautiful because like people talk about stuff and then Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Oh my gosh, I've always quoted St. Paul. You know how St. Paul says, "Iron sharpens iron." Ah, wrong. Okay, yeah, it's just been a great because I see what other people are doing. You like started doing the rosary and morning prayer, and I was like. I can do that. Now, how do I figure that, put that into my day? So we started doing it at 9 a.m. Uh, before 9 a.m. Mass. Dig it. And you know what? I, I've loved, I, I mean, I've re- a lot of inspiration from, like, I, when this whole thing first started, I thought, we got to give people, like, a schedule. All right, we'll have Mass at the same time every day. That'll be our schedule. But then I was like, no. And then I saw Father Kelly Edwards, who's out in Weatherford. Oh, yeah. And he was broadcasting, like, morning prayer. And I was like, we could totally do that. And, they, and we've done it every single day. Since this whole thing started, morning prayer at eight, mass, and the rosary every what night time is your mass? at seven o'clock, um, noon. Okay. And then on Sundays, eight thirty in English, noon in Spanish. All right. So there's been a mass at noon every single day since this whole thing started. Morning prayer at eight, rosary seven p.m. Do you do the Angelus before mass? Uh, usually we do. Ooh, we have mass on. at twelve ten, <gasps> and and we do the Angelus at noon. But we have not been doing that. We've just been. Right into the, oh. right into the mass. Don't judge. 
Whoa. That, that, I, you know what? That, we have that, that bending of my eyebrows and scowling was looking at that giant spider climbing on your shoulder. Oh, okay. That wasn't judging. No Come on. Please. I can handle the coronavirus. <laughs> look, he doesn't even care about a giant spider on his shoulder. So we have, uh, Father Kerry, a very special guest in the studio with us. You mean Jay's glorious <laughs> Besides <jacket>? Jay. Besides <laughs> Jay, who is our uh, executive producer. Uh, we have a seminarian who's staying with us. His name is is Alessandro Calderoni. How many Z's are in that? No Z's. No Z's. Alessandro, welcome. Well, thank you, Father, and hello to all the radio listeners. Yeah. This is my first time on the radio, so I hope. I love it. I love it. I hope it goes well. uh, Tell us a little bit about it. How did you come come to us? We're glad you're here. Yeah, so I was studying in Rome, finishing my third year of theology, but then due to the current health crisis, we all, all the seminarians came back and the vocations director put us in par- COVID parish assignments, if you call it that. And I was placed Hopefully here. COVID-free parish assignments, uh-huh. yeah. 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 And I'm you know, here at St. Francis Xavier, very happy to be here. And you'll be with us for uh, uh, at least a month. Hopefully. You've already been with us a week or so. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully a little bit longer. And you're from uh, you're from Muskogee, right? From Muskogee, yes. St. Joseph's is my home parish. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Hildale High School. Hildale, nice. Then where'd you go to college? And then I went to Northeastern State University in Tahlequah. NSU. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Go Riverhawks. Go Riverhawks. Where'd you go to grade school? Where'd you go to grade school? Grade school in Mexico, part of it, oh. and then fourth grade here and there in Hildale. Hildale, nice. All right, so you went to NSU in Tahlequah, and then what? And then that's when I received the call, and I started discerning. Boom. And went through the whole application process for seminary. We took him in. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, Father Brian O'Brien took me on the first seminary visit. I remember it well. He, You know, back then, he took us to Dallas, Holy Trinity in Dallas. Yeah. And Conception Seminary, so I visited both. Boom. So then you went to Conception, and then you've been studying in Rome. Right, right. Yeah. And right now I'm still studying. I'm doing my work online. He's been doing papers. Right, yeah. Mm. So, and Good work, from, man. You know, being involved in the parish, the activities that are... Love, yeah, we've got them involved in coming to our virtual staff meeting. And uh, what else have you jumped in and, on? And he's also going to be uh, cooking our Thursday dinners yes, from now on. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, from now on, from this day forward. As a price of uh, price yeah, of we'll, admission. We'll see based on how well <laughs> Father Kerry treats me if it's going to be good food or, you know, or if it's going to be. Well, I'll tell you, in this, the people of God have been very generous with us of bringing, like, bringing food over. And, man, we have not, we've hardly been to the store. Probably Hardly. usually we go to the store once every I don't know ten days or so, but here it's, lately we've been going every every three weeks. Anyway, it's great, great to have you, Alessandro. Uh, he speaks English and Spanish and Italian, which I think is really cool. So mm-hmm. you can give him a call. And he's learning a little Oki here in the and he's uh, learning Red Dirt Riviera. How to speak Pain? <laughs> pain. Pain County. Uh-huh. Um, okay, Father Kerry, I thought we, maybe we could uh, talk about it's it's the Easter season. This is a, this is yeah. something people don't really understand especially maybe lots of our protestant brothers and sisters who like there's easter and then like the day after easter it's like back to normal right but in the catholic church not so we keep on celebrating easter yeah Uh, we have a season we have a season of easter so it's still happy easter we're still saying christ is risen yeah yeah i'm still uh 
uh, I still dress up like a bunny and run around the house. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> weird. Did I say that totally out loud? Weird. Did I say that out loud? Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. So here is my question. You you see this this especially this time of year, right around Easter, you see people start to jump in on this question: How do we know that Jesus rose from the dead? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I thought maybe we could dive in on that. Do a little apologetics. Right, a little right. history. Um, I've always like I've always been for me the the most compelling argument is the number of like early in the early church the number of martyrs right people right. who died for the faith would they would they have died for a for a lie I've always that's always been a very compelling uh, argument to me so tell us tell okay, us so, so tell the, us you can jump in here too Alessandro so the last couple of weeks uh, the the last couple of weeks, I, I, I've just like taken this initiative to start studying. So, uh, the week of Holy Week, I just studied the Holy Eucharist that whole week because I didn't have any students around. So every day, I read the Church Fathers and different uh, saints on the Holy Eucharist. So in the in the week of the Resur- Resurrection Week, I just all every day I studied one of the Church Fathers, some of the scriptural interpretation, and went back and like, okay, why did people believe in the resurrection? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like um, a, a person in Time Magazine wrote the... Uh, what is that? Time Magazine, they're always like... There was this line, and they did very poor research. Was they Jesus said, really born? Was well, he a real... It's like, the, shut up. The, <laughs> the article was about the word Easter, and they mentioned Bede, an English historian. The Venerable Bede? But they didn't men- mention it was Venerable St. Bede, doctor of the church and super intellectual. They just said... Venerable Bede used the word Easter, which is also the name of this god uh, of Ostia of Germany. Well, the word Austria also means light or like east. And so Bede just took the word Easter and he translated it from the word Pasqua or resurrection. So, you know, I think an important word to use, especially with people when they're like, I don't believe in Easter. It's like, do you believe in the Pasqua or the resurrection? Because they may just be arguing with These like are some, Christians who don't believe in Easter. Well, they don't believe. What like, are we doing? No, no, no. no. People do not believe in the word Easter. Oh, they don't like. The, oh, they, Christ, these are Christians. No, these are non-Christians. They don't like the word Easter. They're like, oh, Easter is just—it's a pagan holiday, just like oh, Christmas. Remember gotcha. when we did that little you. episode on Christmas? I remember uh, being that. a pagan holiday. So they say, oh, well, Christmas is just a pagan holiday because it uses the same word of this pagan, and that's dumb. That's. I mean, it's using the, the trying to use two words, um, and, and the, the real word for it is Pasqua, resurrection, Easter. So, a couple of things. One, proof of the resurrection is two, no, two, <laughs> two, one, proof of the resurrection is the empty tomb. You know, when the, when the, um, when I the, heard they just stole him. They just took his okay, body. Okay. So this is, uh, this is my argument against that. We think Oh, you could just go up and steal a body from a Roman centurion because they fell asleep in the tomb. They snuck over there and rolled the stone back. Most people don't realize that even in the British Army in 1918, one of the things you could be executed for was sleeping on duty. Like if you were a sentry on duty in 1918 and you were found asleep, the British Army could execute you. That'll keep you up at night. That will keep you up at night. Where'd they get that from? The Romans. The Romans had a rule that if a guard was uh, 
asleep on duty and found asleep on duty, they could be executed. So wow. now that kind of changes the way we look at the empty tomb. Like They're like, oh, someone stole the body. Did someone really steal the body? Or did Jesus rise from the dead? And so uh, sometimes when we read the scriptures, we interpret them as our culture is interpreting them for us by applying their thought of what history is to the story. But they haven't done the history, re- historical research either wow. to know that, like, you know what? A Roman centurion was staying up at night along with his buddies. Because if you didn't report your buddies falling asleep, then you would get executed too. Well, I'll jump in here. I'll go on. Well, and not only that, but also because um, the accusation that the tomb, that they took the body and someone stole it, is as ancient as Christianity, the first opponents of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But what, when we read the gospel account of the empty tomb, especially St. John's, it's very clear. What do we find inside, inside the empty tomb? There's proof that it was not stolen because the cloth, the burial cloth, the linen cloths were found neatly folded on where the tomb, where, where his body had oh, been laid. Oh, beauty. So would a thief come in and take the body? If undress he were, it. Right. Uh, take the time to undress it and then neatly fold it and leave it there. Or would he just take the whole body and, you know, steal, and steal it? Uh, and so that's also um, a key evidence for us that it was not stolen, you know. Booyah. Wow! It'd be ridiculous if it were someone folding it. Yeah. So this, g- is, this is this is yeah. the scripture. It's John twenty, uh, verse no 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 sorry yeah John twenty, verse seven. Uh, I'm picking a translation here. Uh, okay, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in lying in its place, separate from the linen, uh, the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with. The linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, good so work. when people yeah come in and rob your house, they don't make your bed. <laughs> you know, oh, exactly. Uh, let's take that TV and why? Oh, these, sh- <laughs> these shoes need to be put in in the closet. No, like you're if you're stealing a body, you're you're trying to get in and get out right. as quickly as possible. Either, either we have an empty tomb, the, the the Lord is risen, or we have the greatest thief in history. That, but obviously yeah, not. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. That would be the dumbest thief in history. And yeah, um, yeah. Nice. Okay. What else? Okay. You, what else okay. you got? So this is this is what I'm gonna I'm gonna. Alessandro, I'm glad he's here. So the, I was teaching on the four last things a couple weeks ago. What are and those? Tell the four us last things: the death. Wait. Oh my gosh. Heaven, hell. Heaven, hell. Uh, judgment. Judgment. Final judgment and the resurrection of the body. The four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Okay. So when I'm teaching RCIA class, the right of Christian initiation adults to non-Catholics, I always use this image from the Sistine Chapel. And it's not the image on the sidewall of guys looking like they're prancing around or ice skating. It's the one right above the altar. And Alessandro, you have been living in Italy, or as we say in Oklahoma, Itali. You've been living in Italy. What is the most famous painting from the Sistine Chapel? It's right above the altar, like you said, and it's Christ judging. It's the judgment of Christ, the final judgment. Okay, now, what's right above Jesus' head? What words are right up there? Whose feet are right above Jesus' head? Whose feet? Uh-huh. I don't know. Who, yeah, I don't know this one. I'm, gonna look, I'm looking no, it up. No, don't look it up. I want you to use your brains. Come on. Who's... I, why I have a I have Wait, a who are the, the internet paint, who are the paintings listed on the wall around the inside of the Sistine Chapel? The internet's awesome. Think 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 think. Abraham. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a moment. 
Okay. Start, so we got to we got to get the wheels thinking. Oh, he's already looking it up. He's you're a cheater. Do you know what they? You know <laughs> cheaters. Che- you know where cheaters go? They go to confession. I can't believe you're cheating. Cheater. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. <laughs> it's Jonah. Oh, Jonah and the whale. And what what's the story of Jonah? Jonah is he God sends him to oh, convert yeah. the Ninevites, right? He goes he goes to convert and yeah, exactly. When you look up the system, everyone job, look at this. Everyone look. Uh hey Siri. Hey Google. Google the it's the it's the uh yeah, Sistine Chapel. Yeah, exactly. Matthew. That's what I I just did Sistine Chapel judgment. Okay. Anyway. So idea. right above Jesus's head is Jonah. Why would Michelangelo put the painting of Jonah and the fish there? Well, it goes back. I was thinking about this all, you know, and I was reading and I was doing research this past week. And when we did a tour of the Sistine Chapel, we went into, as soon as you go into the museum, there's this room of sarcophagus off to the right. And I noticed there that there was these carvings of Jonah, like the whale. And I'm like, why are these here? So I asked Liz Lev, who was our tour guide, and she said, well, just remember that in the first four centuries of Christianity, they were still using the image of Jonah and the whale, not the cross, because people were still being crucified. I was like, huh. Oh. So all this stuff started coming together of like, why Jonah is above Jesus as the, as the image of the resurrection. And because it's, there's this line from the book of Jonah, most people have read it or they think like, oh, Jonah was just like, what? Jonah was in the whale and he was just like hanging out, like playing cards, waiting to get coughed up. And no, no, that's not what Jonah well, was what doing. What was he doing in there? The word that Jonah describes his life in the whale is Sheol. And oh. Alessandro, you're so smart. What is Sheol? The underworld, the, the world of the dead. Okay, good, 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 good. So, yeah, so when we say in that we say in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus descended into hell, he says, yeah. we're saying he descended into into Sheol, the place of the dead. Right. Yeah. So, Jonah is not describing himself as alive, like he's in there playing uh, sheep's head or pinochle or something like that, or Yahtzee. or, or one man euchre or one man war. He's not playing cards. Tetris. He describes himself as dead as you remember that jason bourne movie we watched like jason bourne is floating on the ocean we've had dead. some time on our hands yeah. floating on the ocean dead and so what does the whale do the whale eats him just like turtles they found turtles with like cigarette butts in their bellies because people smoke and throw the cigarette butts off the boat these fish will eat anything and so there is a free meal jonah but when the underworld and this is what i love about the church fathers they connected to Jesus. They said, as the belly of the whale tried to digest Jonah and realized it could not contain him and could not digest him, he was spit out and God rose him. Then he went mm. to the Ninevites and preached to the Ninevites and the Ninevites were converted and all of the nations around them were converted. So Does this too, sound familiar? So mm. too, the underworld consumes what it cannot digest and jesus is i love that scene from one of those early it says it's like he's a chariot driver riding through the underworld kicking over the treasures and hell cannot contain him death you have consumed eternal life 
And so therefore it has to, in a way, spit him out. Yeah. It's like, I mean, when you eat something, that's how you like get food poisoning. Oh, like, I've had food poisoning. A you. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do an episode on that. Uh, yeah. When you, you, you take something into your body and your body doesn't like it. And so up it, you know, up it, up it comes. That's yeah. That's it's a beautiful parallel. Jonah and Jesus, the oh. resurrection, the three days yeah. in the tomb, three days in the in the fish. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, tell us more so, about so like like the as Jesus sends out he 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 rises from the dead and he he goes to who first? He goes to his squad of people. He goes as Saint Paul says he goes and visits five hundred people, and those people experience the resurrection and are immediately converted, just like the Ninevites. The Ninevites. Jonah, you know, when he goes to them, he's kind of reluctant. He's like, well, I don't really want to go to these Ninevites. But the Ninevites are converted. And so, too, when Jesus sends out the, the apostles, the 12 apostles, the 12 apostles then begin to convert the nations. Ooh. So All right. it's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff connected with that. How um, else do we know the resurrection is real? Oh, okay. Uh, let me see. Give us some other, some other proof. Okay. One of them is the word, and I'm going to come back to Alessandro, uh, what he mentioned a little Get ago, about the word body. Like when they look into the tomb, they notice, they say, we did not find, and in Greek they say, we did not find his soma, his body. There is no corpse in the tomb. And, th- and that is, um, it's, 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 um, you know, there was a scene from Jairus' daughter in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus says to the little girl, the little girl's upstairs and she's lying there dead, and he, he stretches out his hand and he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. arise. And throughout the Gospel of Mark, the word rise or arise is used over and over and over again. I, I think the same way um, Lazarus. You know, it says, uh, we heard that right before Holy Week. Jesus, no, it was of Holy Week. Jesus goes, he's going to Jerusalem and he stops at this town where Mary and Martha are and Lazarus is dead in the tomb and it says, he is dead. How many days, Alessandro, do you remember? Was it one, two, three, or four? Three, yeah. four, four. He's, do, he's dead four days. Because yeah. Jesus, Jesus waited till... Uh, he started to smell. Yeah, they said, yeah. Lord, it will have a stench. Oh, Lord, it will have a stench. And so the, the Jewish understanding is that there is a resurrection that is possible because even she says it. She goes, Lord, I know he will rise on the last day. The resurrection is possible. But what happens? In yeah, they're these- sort of taking that for granted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he's going to rise, you know, when everybody else does. Right. But you're talking, you're saying, Lord, you're saying he's going to do that today. Right. Ooh, that's a different ballgame. Now, keep, we're keeping the theme of the Gospel of John because... What happens to Lazarus? Well, a couple of days later, they try to kill him. So we know that he is bodily risen from the dead, and the dude probably went back to work. He probably started doing things and hanging out with his family again, just like the little girl. The little girl started eating him, and Jairus' daughter started eating him. She started getting back to normal life. But what's different about the resurrection is it says they did not find his body. They did not find his soma. So this is just a new existence. Something entirely different than was ever before. Because as those two rose to new life, new bios, 
biologically they started functioning again. Jesus does what? Jesus like walks through a door. Mm. He makes himself known in the breaking of the bread. He appears to people doing supernatural things. Yeah. Yeah. Things things you and I can't do. Things the human body is incapable of doing. It it's it's this transfigured corpse. Ooh. This transfigured body. It's something happens to his body that is entirely different. And they don't understand it. It's not just like oh like um you could say like some people like, oh well Jesus just got a new spirit. No, he didn't he didn't get a new spirit. Or like, I feel the spirit of the resurrected Jesus. No, no, there's not a spirit of any resurrected Jesus. Yeah, he got a new body and a new transformed personhood. Mm-hmm. He's divine. And his human nature is now like not just a corpse anymore, but this divine life just that uh, has the capacity to do things that that normal human bodies don't have, mm. which is different from Lazarus and li- different from Jairus. I think, too, it's it's so interesting of how you know the the crucifixion one of the reasons the romans did, did crucified people is be, that it was very public you were you knew like if you if you do what this guy did you're going to die like this and so they purposefully did it very publicly so jesus's death was a public show mm-hmm. i mean hundreds thousands of people would have seen that happen and then when he rose from the dead it's not like all of Christianity is based on the testimony of like one guy. Wow, there's that's the one guy who saw Jesus after he died. No, it's like it's hundreds of people that interacted with him, starting with the apostles, Mary, Mary Magdalene, that the people saw him over. I mean, they, they in those in those days following the resurrection, hundreds of people saw him die and then saw him not dead. Right. For, to me, that's that's a very that's very convincing, and then those same people then died for that story, and if it was all bull, then why would you, you know, why would you give up your life for a lie? Yeah, and that body of Christ is glorified, so it it will never die again. It's it's mm. totally exactly. different from what he had before. You know. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so my, I got I got one more. All right, one and more, and it goes back. I'll, I'm pulling all this on the road back. We in. good. We got you know. There's this, three uh, minutes. There's this church in rome called saint peter's basilica you ever heard of it uh, maybe maybe once or twice that's okay uh, okay so so there's this big huge church there and then there's this like like altar in the center and and what's below the altar in the center you have the bones of the fisherman saint peter okay so I, there's this book called The Bones of the Fisherman, which I encourage you to read because it's a scientific study of the bones of St. Peter. Mm-hmm. And so they've looked at the research. They've studied the history. They you know, they put together the story of his crucifixion at that obelisk when the, the, um, the circus was out there, his burial. They've even done like bone tests of the guy now. And they're like, this is the bones of a person of a certain height from the Middle East. And so you have to ask a question. Here's a kind of another point of the resurrection. How did a Galilean fisherman end up in Rome buried underneath a multi-billion dollar beautiful church? And the only way, the only way that's going to happen 
is if he encountered Jesus Christ in the resurrection. Because that man was a scared, scared little kitten on Holy Thursday and Good Friday. How does a man like that end up in Rome trying to overthrow the most powerful empire in the world, which is both the Roman army, the Roman government, and Satan's power? Mm. I wish I could mic drop right now, but they're hooked up to these suspended arms. Amazing. Amazing. That's all I got. That's good. There's more where that came from. You can do a lot of research. Yeah, Early there church are fathers. beautiful. Yeah, beautiful books. The Church Fathers. Uh, Pope Benedict has written on the, on this subject. Um, but but I would you know ultimately start with the Gospels. Uh, if you if this is a new subject for you, maybe like you've never really studied the resurrection, start with the Gospels, and then kind of take it out from there. Um, but it's this time of year when people come around and say, did the resurrection really happen? It's just Is Christianity a, a myth? And, and we, yeah. we would like to say emphatically from, no. from our little corner of the world here in Payne County, Oklahoma, no, it's not a myth. Um, it really happened. It was a historical event. It's well documented, better documented than a lot of historical events from that era. So when people say, oh, well, we only have four sources that's a lot of sources yeah um especially for two thousand years ago okay happy resurrection happy so, easter happy, happy easter. pasqua Christ hey is alessandro thanks for joining us thank you for having me I'm what happy a, easter what a joy and uh we'll see you next time uh keep praying for us and uh persevere it's almost over blessings god bless